Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week I sit down for a gorgeous 40-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. On today's episode, I'm joined by a literal icon, someone who I've looked up to so much for so long, and I cannot even believe that I literally get to meet the real, in the flesh, consumer and environmental advocate, Aaron Barakovich, where we discuss standing up to injustice and addressing the problem of toxic water. Welcome to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Vaness. I'm, I'm, uh, this is a really big day for me. I am interviewing two icons of my whole life today. You're one. Oh, that's so cool. Welcome to the studio, Erin Brockovich. Oh, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. So, no, <laughs> thank you so much for coming. So, I saw, I was introduced to you, like so many, from Erin Brockovich, the movie. Yes. And I watched it so many times. Like, literally, I've probably seen it over a hundred times in my life. You've seen it more than I have. And um, over a hundred times at least. But also, I loved your show, Worst Case Scenario. I The one that was on TLC that you hosted about, like, what to do in the case of, like... You had one word that was, like... Well, there was Final Justice. Tell me what Final well, Justice was. Well, Final Justice came out right after the film. It was about, you know, um, women who had tragedies, but they used that to empower themselves and change laws. So, like, some of our cell phone laws came from a, a mom whose child was killed because somebody was texting, and she went in and changed laws. And so, very empowerment. Series. Oh, so one of them must have, like, driven into a lake. There yes, was, like, must have been an episode right. about someone. Yes. yes. That's and what I saw. So, people may have pulled, you know, certain episodes and then showed them on another air network uh, and my okay. exposure to it was like okay that's how i get out of a car if it's submerged in a lake like you have to have like the thing in the toolbox and you like break out the window you know i think about that too it's interesting when you're panicked i'm not sure i would always respond the way i'm supposed to i'd like to believe that i could but it's like you got to get your thoughts together right uh, yes 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 i'm not sure i could do that under an emergency um, i think i can i've been in emergencies i surprise myself but when you envision scenarios like that it's like ooh, i don't know if i could <laughs> i'm scared it i think it's like you really don't know what you would do until it happens i know which is really so scary but wait tell me this so how similar was the movie to what really happened well, very similar as well in many regards. Now, there's a couple of clients at the end of the day that weren't always happy with how the show was featured, but everybody has their individual experience. But as far as the litigation was concerned, myself, my children, being a single mother, my relationship with Ed, what happened with PG&E. With Ed, and he just passed away like last Albert year, didn't Finney, he? Albert Finney, I know. So Ed was the real character. Wait, is the red... Is the real Ed Masary still alive? No, he passed away. No. I know. Because in the movie, he was like, he's like, I got one bypass and like, uh. I know. He, you know, Ed, Ed believed in me. In Wait, but so you really got hit by a myself. fucking asshole flying out of the street? Oh, yeah. Like, like See, a bat out of fucking I have house? a C5, C6 disectomy scar. And uh, yeah, I really did. <laughs> so, and I really have three kids. And Holy shit. Was there a George? Absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. George he was, was really hot in the movie. Well, he was. You know, I always say a joke. Had the real George looked anything like the guy in the film, I would have never kicked him out. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I mean, so George was 
terrific. George passed away too. No, I know. I'm Died sorry. Of a brain tumor. No, did you guys end up like? Did you guys like continue to kind of be cordial, like even though it like didn't work out? Like that seems like where the movie was going at the end. It was, and I love George, and my kids adore George, and George had um, a glioblastoma, and the so, the tendons. Yeah. One. So there was a lot of I don't know hardships where you couldn't relate to someone or they were sick and. I think, I don't think, you know, I agonized forever that I didn't get to have the right goodbye. I wrote a really long letter and burned it and let it all go to the universe. Um, And I remember his funeral and I was outside and I was so torn about so many things and hearing my youngest daughter just wail uh, killed me. Mm. Um, He was a great guy. I just adored the kids and he was there for me in many instances when I needed somebody in my life the most. There's just like no roadmap to like seeing someone go. My stepdad passed away of um, bladder cancer, but it went to his brain. Mm, Tastized. Yes. And so, but like, there's just no roadmap. And so I'm so sorry that you went through that because I just, I Mm. I don't think we ever know like about losing someone in any way. It's just like awful to, to go through. So I'm sorry that your family went through that. Oh, we did. It's hard. You know, I've lost my mom and my dad, my greatest mentors, uh, Ed. Um, I had, I'm going to really use this word, the privilege of holding Ed's hand as he died, holding and rocking my mom as she passed on, Mm. and my daughter intercepting my dad before I got there by just a few minutes. Um, Because it's harder when you're not. And, And when you do, there's such a connection with even my mom. It's like, Oh my God, you made it home. And to be a part of that was, I don't, just beyond truly touching. And it uh, helps you know that they made it home safely. So, how did these like personal losses that you've had, like post the movie, change how you are, like how you come to your job? Because you're still an advocate. Yes. Like, like what's going on now? Oh, I don't even know where to start uh, with that. Like I mean, in terms of advocacy, like like what's the closest cousin of like PG and E and hexavalent chromium type six going on now? Like who are we like? Who are we getting fucking petitions for? <laughs> well, they're everywhere. Unfortunately, I think we're <clears throat> unaware because there's lack of information about the true water crisis going on. Hinkley was a microcosm of what's happening throughout the world. The closest that I could relate to right now, and the women came to me a year before you knew it to be what it is, and that's Flint, Michigan. PG&E was a corporation that withheld information, that destroyed an environment and took lives. And Flint was the same scenario, different chemical, but it was an agency cover-up. And that's just a huge blow because so many of us believe that all these agencies are in play to protect us. And when you find out that they're the ones that absolutely deliberately hid it from us, it's just a smack in the face. And it's a wake-up call. So we're working on several hundred other flints. We're working on chromium-6 cases, not only in America, but Australia and France and Italy and South America and South Africa so these was it same deal like like companies polluting the groundwater? Absolutely. Because what was the company that was in? How did the hexavalent get made again? 
It was like in the in the what, what in kind the of cooling towers and the it, cooling towers of what kind of plant? Well, PG&E was a gas compressor plant, mm. and they're all over the country. But hexavalent chromium has been widely used by all kinds of industry. It is a great anti-rust corrosion inhibitor. So think of the airline industry. Think about needing to use hexavalent chromium so the metal of the planes don't rust and erode due to cold weather and rain. So that's what hexavalent chromium is used for worldwide. Does a lot of it like get on the plane in the air and then it gets rained on and then it gets like in our water from like the air is like not that much used on the plane. Like how bad is it? Oh my God. There's (laughs) what about if you eat on the plane and drink on the plane? Does it matter? You're fine. The exposure would come from application mostly to the employees. Oh my God. And then the bigger issue clearly is what do we do with all the generated hazardous waste we create? And historically, the adage was the solution to pollution is dilution. And that's what we've done. And all these years have passed. You'll be scared by the time I The solution to dilution. The solution to pollution is dilution. So we just got to dilute it up when it gets into the water or. That's what they think happens, but that's not really what's happening. And it doesn't work? No, we have so many problems. I'm going to tell you. So many people will invite me to parties and podcasts and ask me about water. And by the time I'm done, they look around and they're like, oh, don't invite her again. So no. total downer. Total downer. <clears throat> it's but, daunting. But so basically, pro- post the movie, you, like, because, like, Ed Masary and you, like, had this gorgeous, like, have this gorgeous law firm and you're still just, like, fighting the good fight and, like, Absolutely. doing the damn thing. So really the question I was trying to ask and the little baby bit, and then I probably going to really going to try to not talk about Aaron Brockovich, the movie, like for 40 minutes. Cause I really could, it's, I'm trying not <laughs> and to it's always out. weird. Cause I'm in the room. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's crazy. Cause you're like, that's the name in the movie. And that's like, literally you talking about, talk about Julie Roberts. No, this about- is you all of it. <laughs> um, but like, how has, because you've been doing this for some time now, like you've been in this, you know, you like weren't a lawyer and then you became like, are you, are you like, are you like a paralegal now? Or like, well, I was never a lawyer, never a lawyer no, and no. still aren't. No. No, but are you no. like a paralegal now or something? Do you have like a no. cute title? No. You're just a fucking advocate. Yes. Yes. I, you know, I don't work with, after Ed passed away, I started working with several. When year uh, was that? 2005. So sad. It was. So that happened in 2005 and then you continued doing this. I did. I work with several other firms. I still consult with a firm in New York, Whites and Luxembourg. I consult with a firm in... Uh, Sydney, Australia, all of Australia, Shine Lawyers. I've written several books. Uh, my first book was Taken From Me, Life's a Struggle, But You Can Win. My fourth book is coming out. Ooh. It's Truth of America's Water Supply. Uh, I'd like to say I'm pretty comfortable. Our title is Superman's Not Coming. Oh. And it's about America's water supply. Yes. So how has your approach to dealing with like people who have been like victims of like corporations, like bad water policy, like has your approach to people like I feel like you were always based on the movie, like very compassionate, like empathetic. Like, is it like how has these personal losses affected how you approach your job? They've made me stronger. Uh, My biggest job when I began my work in Hinckley, was not about a lawsuit. It was not about the cancers. It was about a suppression of a community. And the lack of information left them defenseless to defend what they and we all love most, their health 
and their family and a good life. And as a kid, I understood that because I'm a dyslexic. Mm. So I was teased and taunted and bullied and labeled and judged. I never liked to be put in a box. So very early, I was figuring out how to punch my way through that. <clears throat> my mom and dad raised me with understanding the power of stick to my favorite word, definition, noun, propensity to follow through, dogged persistence, born of obligation and stubbornness. I'm stubborn. I'm obligated. I'm persistent. My mom taught me that just because others see you as different doesn't mean you're inferior. Hmm. And my dad, in his words of honor and transparency, so when I went to Hinkley, I could see and I could feel, I'm like, this is eerie. This is, I know this feeling. It is suppressive. And the minute I feel suppressed, I push back out. And that's what was happening in Hinkley. So it's about empowerment. And it's about the idea that so many people in Hinkley, everyone said, you're not a doctor, you're not a lawyer, you're not a scientist. I don't think that I have to be any of that to be a human and to tell you what I see is wrong. So my entire really career and core of who I am and what I believe is how do I reach these people in this community, get them to join forces and know that whether they're a doctor, lawyer, or scientist, don't let the label make you step back and not step forward and fight for your own health and welfare. And I've continued to do that through my lecture circuit. That's been an enormous part of my work since the film is out there still spreading that word about how we believe in ourselves again. I think we lost that. And for a long time, there's been a blanket of what could be a false illusion, a false sense of security, Maybe we got comfortable, maybe we got complacent, but there's disruption with us right now and we're waking up and I really see a cultural change happening in this country and believing in who we are and being able to be okay speaking up and speaking out about issues that we care about. And for you, it's really been about like advocating. It started off with like, holding PG&E accountable for like this hexavalent chromium. It's like branched out into water. How have you, I mean, you've learned so much about like bad stuff that can happen to us. Like what are the things that like, this is like a selfish question. What are the (laughs) things that you've like implemented in your own life? Like from all the things that you've learned, like you don't drink water from bottles or something, or like, do you have any stuff that you just don't fuck with from all the stuff that you've learned? Well, Oh, well, my brain hurts usually at the end of the day, understanding. Top three. Chemicals? Things or? that you do not fuck with based off of the things that you've <laughs> learned about. I don't fuck with the water. I mean, water is life. And the argument when it gets into politics, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter at all. We all need water to sustain our life. And the the idea that we just willy-nilly think that the solution to pollution is dilution into throwing all these pollutants in the water, that they're going to dilute and go away, 
is ludicrous because that's not what's happening. And they just tested those like shrimp and like a, the, a bunch of the shrimp had like arsenic and like cocaine oh, in them and like London. Absolutely. And this, this but is so where do you get everywhere. your water from? Well, I could tell you, I use a reverse osmosis countertop filtration system that I love. It's called AquaTrue. Reverse osmosis is a filtration system, but oh my gosh, we have to like back up to water 101. Okay. All right. So water. Most of our water comes from surface water, which is tributaries, creeks, and rivers. And in water is what's called organic matter. So people like, oh, you know, okay, organic matter, this is a scientific term. It's real easy. It's poop, pee. dirt, poop, pee. That's it. From animals and humans, everyone. Well, absolutely. Yep. You know, deer drink water and maybe pee in there, maybe poop. We got dirt. I mean, all these creeks and rivers and tributaries, that's what they run through is the soil. So as it comes into the municipality. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. Do, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Did I see really, something? No, we, no, 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 not at stop? all. You can do this. We're going we're, we're to go back into Water 101 right after this break. <laughs> Welcome back to Getting Curious with more Aaron Brockovich. So we're Water 101. Uh, the 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 what was the pee in the poop in the water the organic bio- matter yes the organic matter in the water <laughs> water one hundred and one I'm so in this they probably just listen to ads of me talking like my cat and British and stuff <laughs> so t- no we have to go back to water one hundred and one okay uh, water has organic matter so as the water comes into the municipal system organic matter gets treated with chlorination and when the 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 what place again. When it comes into the... Municipalities? Yeah, that's just like a big water plant that every city has. Absolutely. They bring the water in. They're the ones that send it out through a distribution system to service all of us. That's why when we turn on our taps, there's water. So the Safe Drinking Water Act, obviously we chlorinate water for a whole host of reasons because you have bacterial, biological, E. coli, all kinds of outbreaks. So it's necessary to chlorinate the water. When chlorination and organic matter meet, they create a very toxic compound called trihalomethane, which is heavily regulated by the Safe Drinking Water Act and the EPA. When municipalities can't balance those trihalomethanes, they're supposed to add the appropriate filtration system to do so. Rather, they've decided historically for years that they'd throw ammonia into the system. So now we're adding another chemical. We want less chemicals in water. So the ammonia causes the water to become uh, angry and corrosive and caustic. It also renders... And if you don't know what caustic means, that means burned, like burny. It makes you burny. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I learned that when I had like hair color developer on a flight once or oh like God. on my checked bag. <laughs> and this guy was like, do you have caustic stuff in this bag? I was like, caustic. I don't even know who she is. <laughs> and his like fingers were burning. And I was like, just wash your hands. It's hair developer. Just throw it away. It's not a big had deal. Ammonia or something in it. It was peroxide. It was just some 20 volume. Calm down. It's not even that strong. This is why I like Schwarzkopf. Because I don't do well. Honey, with Schwarzkopf ammonia. has 20 volume. They <laughs> so, all do. But anyway, so tell me. Yes. Well, this. Okay, it's yes. ammonia we'll talk about. So we'll keep going. Ammonia, um, they put the ammonia in the water. Well, yeah, they add ammonia. And so now we have an angry distribution system. So how does water get from the municipality to your tap? Pipe. Millions of miles of pipe underground. By the way, that's unregulated. 
all kinds of stuff goes on in there that we're not paying any attention to. So when all of our lead pipes become exposed to this corrosive, angry water, it causes the pipes to perforate and get little holes and pinholes. And then the lead and iron and manganese precipitate out. So one of the biggest problems is the chloramine use in this country because it's happening everywhere. So we're seeing huge lead contaminations. So that's why I kind of backed up when we were talking about Flint. We see lead contaminations. We're working on 210 other sites with lead levels in some instances higher than Flint. Mm. So now we have to start looking at a huge infrastructure crisis in this country that's going to have to be dealt with. It would be trillions of dollars. So how do we fight back against that? And I'm always about information, education, and awareness. We have to change policies. Science is finally catching up with policy. All these years, we've been throwing chemicals in there. Latency periods for disease take 20, 30 years in some instances. All of this is just finally colliding. And we're going to have to change policies. We're going to have to fight to change policies. We're going to have to be informed. And we need communities, individuals and communities, to begin to rise. Because we're, we just can't wait anymore for information and the right thing to happen to trickle down from where. You know, that's why I said Superman's not coming. So tag, we're it. And I encourage people, it's nice to have a hero but become the hero. Yeah. Be the change you want to see. But back to this it's reverse important. osmosis. Yes. So, so that we don't get these trihexachlorides. I'm so glad you're staying on track because yes, I can guy and run over here. No, and I would love that story. But I want to know how to keep the water. I want to know how so, to at least like purify the water if I'm going to drink it. Reverse osmosis is the best filtration. And so it has different chambers and cartridges for each chemical. So you have a lot of varying levels, low levels of different chemicals in your water. So if you have hexchrome, a coconut shell is one of the best filtrations. If you have PFOA, which is perfluorococatonic acid, that's another story. That is the largest emerging contaminant in this country today. What was she called? P- <laughs> PFOA. PFOA. Perfluorococatonic acid. And what's that? It's scary. Three sentences or less. Scary shit. Because it... It's known as Teflon. Oh. It's known as C8. Uh, another one of its sister chemicals, PFOS, is known as firefighting foam. All these things that are under every single day life. Okay, this is... This chemical is the best way for me to explain to you how the whole system works. Oh, of reverse osmosis? Of reverse osmosis, why we need it, chemicals in water, and policy. Oh, oh sh- you got to hit all the... <laughs> Do we to- need a break before we come back No, and girl, you're about, about to hit this? a grand slam right now. <laughs> yeah, the FO... And so that's like what's literally okay. on our skillets and what's in like oh, flame... Oh, like- oh it's, it is, it's almost in everything. Like think flame retardants and clothes that babies sleep in. And so here's the thing. Like soft, soft, touchable fabrics? Well, some of them... In should say flame, you know, flame resistant, flame retardant. So, like, think of the firemen. All of their gear is got all of this these chemicals in it because it it can retard fires. Uh, think about our massive fires and what they're letting out in those big planes that are just getting doused all over the forest. That's PFOS. It's used by. Many different companies is heavily used by the it, Department of Defense. Is there a water safe? Or is there like a groundwater safe firefighter flame? 
thing? Well, a lot of, you know, Europe's ahead of us on a lot of things about they shelving. They are. They are. They really are. Okay, but wait. Oh, my God. I can, okay, 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 okay. Focus, Jonathan. If you're ever going to focus, like, pull it from your innards right now. Want me to finish PFOA? Yes. Okay. Manufactured by 3M. So here's how it works. I want everyone to know how it works. And we explain all this in the book. It's hard to explain because people are like, it's, No, they you know, are. We're doing get, a really good job right now. I'm riveted. <laughs> to get into the science and stuff. But so they notify EPA very early on. This is kind of a bad actor. Not a good chemical. Like it's really pervasive in the environment and almost impossible to get rid of. So keep your eye on it. EPA, so noted. So they randomly pick a number. How they really came to this number for a guideline, I don't know. But they said 400 parts per trillion. So you can run this chemical through your municipality up to 400 parts per trillion. What's interesting, though, anything below that, they don't have to report. And we don't know if that's like safe or not. Cause like really like, cause like, cause everyone's different. Like everyone's chemical compositions, like literally how they come into the world are different. So someone's system could be really affected like by uh, like 50 parts per trillion. Absolutely. The infants, elderly dose response ratio. You're absolutely correct. So this is this quote guideline. So EPA sets out to commission to study this chemical in the environment to conclude whether it does or doesn't cause cancer. And when's this? Like in the 80s, 70s? Oh, yeah. I've seen documents from the EPA in Australia to their government in 91, keep your eye on this chemical. So they've known. And they set a guideline, but they have to, A, raise the funds to study a chemical. Each chemical they study costs millions of dollars. And they can only do a few per year. You know, listen, the EPA is overburdened, understaffed, and in many instances, you know, are getting funded. Well, right now, the EPA is currently being run by someone whose family spent their entire professional careers trying to dismantle it because first it was Scott Pruitt, who was terrible, and the guy who replaced him is even worse, whose, like, mom worked for Justice Gorsuch's mom, who actually got a bunch of her staffers fired when she ran the EPA in the 80s under the Reagan administration. Yeah, and uh, but hopefully that's not the same as like worst case scenario, which is like the show you didn't fucking host that I thought you did. So like, who knows? You know. <laughs> well, but I was, do think that they pulled, they pulled that little segment and put it on like that show because it was definitely like you talking about this like lady who like escaped a car that ran into a lake. But anyway, so uh, Scott Pruitt, by the way, was the very one that withheld the PFOA study. Really? Yes, because see, this is where I said science is now catching up with policy. And we're going to need to change policy. Policy was designed for something back when. It's not applicable or applying to what's going on today. We need to change policies. And we're going to have a big policy shift and a big fight on the PFOA issue. So this chemical now gets studied. And these studies take 8, 10, 12, 15, 18 years. So three years ago, EPA gets a phone call. Uh, Houston, we have a problem. Well, what would that be? Well, this PFOA that you set a guideline at 400 parts per trillion causes testicular cancer, and it causes thyroid cancer, and it causes kidney cancer, and it causes reproductive harm, and it causes miscarriages, and it causes excessively high cholesterol. Ah, okay. How ass backwards is it that you throw a poison into the water for 20, 30 years 
and wait for science to catch up and go, oh shit, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Maybe we shouldn't be using it. How about you provide the study first, whether it does or doesn't not cause cancer before you ever put it into public water supply, period. So that's that chemical. Well, so now the we've PFOA. got that's we've got a huge problem. So now the EPA has reduced the level to seventy parts per trillion. That's and a huge reduction, but that was just three years ago. I know, and many states are dropping it to twelve, and the CDC is probably going to come out at seven. Holy shit! So my entire life. We all might have been exposed to because it's everywhere. So let me tell you, municipalities are screaming because they're like, we don't have the budgets to put on the filtration to reduce it to that level. And then I get phone calls from communities in, oh my gosh, Alabama, Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, Vermont, New Hampshire, Virginia, West Virginia, Minnesota, Michigan, Colorado, California. Is this why my son has testicular cancer? Is this why I lost my life to kidney cancer? Is this why I'm on cholesterol medicine? It's just, boom. I mean, tens and tens and tens and thousands of people. So now we've got a huge problem and a big fight on our hands. Are we going to regulate it? What are we going to bring it down to? How do we begin a cleanup process? And I want us to look at what's happened in Flint and look at what's happened in Hinckley. I want us to talk about it and look at what's happening now. Because if we can't see the problem, we'll never find a solution to it. And this is a moment in time, I believe, for us where we are inherently great and we have, I don't know, not known the information or didn't want to hear the information or the information was concealed. But moving forward, we've got to find the solution to how we're going at a collective national, state, United States, and a global level, protect and preserve the one thing that we all will not be sustained without, and that's water. So talk to me about the differences between how the U.S. approaches uh, these sorts of things and then like Europe, for instance, because do you think that one of the things that would be would protect us and that you're advocating for is that tests be done on any addition at like a national level of groundwater or like a state level of groundwater have like have studies run before that happens and is that how they do things in Europe or something like well FDA requires it think about FDA before some medical device comes on the market now we have a lot of potholes over there as well and can we just really quick FDA is the Food and Drug Administration then the EPA is the Environmental Protection Agency Agency. yeah so do those agencies ever like get together and work together a lot because they kind of have an intersection. I would think that they should, but they really don't. But the FDA will require on like a medical device. When you want it to go to marketplace, you're going to show us first what this can or can't do. With the EPA, now we've got a huge chemical lobby up there in D.C. And we've got about 80,000 chemicals or more being introduced into the marketplace every year. They do what? And PFOA, hexavalent chromium, trichloroethylene, benzene. Is it one of those things like that spice where like the state administration like makes the drug illegal so they change a molecule by one and like, you know, it's like the fake weed, like the synthetic weeds. And so there's like a hexavalent like eight and a half and then introduce that as like a new chemical. Well, that's what PFOA is. It's really part of a PFC group of chemicals that's anywhere between three and 8,000 chemicals mixed into one to create the PFC family. 
That's pretty scary. So when I start seeing two-headed frogs in the environment. Do you? Oh, absolutely. That's the first thing that pissed me off in Hinkley. Anytime you're going to tell me what I see isn't real, I'm going to lose my shit. I'm not kidding. Because it's like there could be some. Wait a minute. Because maybe there's like like two two two-headed frogs in nature actually like per million, but you saw like 10 and like. Absolutely and consistently. And cows covered with 500 tumors and trees dying, let alone green water flowing from the wells. It's like, oh, Toto, we we are not in Kansas anymore. And people saying, oh, that's the norm. Really? Really, that is not the norm. So how do you, so what are, in your experience of like, you know, doing things in like France and Germany and Australia and here, like, what are things that like other governments do or that we could learn from other governments to get some of the policy changes that could keep us safe? Well, on chemicals, they will take a harder look at them first before they get into the environment. And then when they do find they're in the environment and they are causing a problem, they're removed. They, they no longer use hexavalent chromium over there. You're done. And they tell industry, you better find us another solution because on January 1st, I think it was 2017, we're done. It's gone. We're still using it here. They'll address the issue. Glyphosate, a big issue, banned over in Europe, but it's still everywhere here. And this glyphosate is scary. We have literally shit in our own mess kit. What's glyphosate? Oh, it's Roundup. Oh. oh, this is a bad one. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, really quick break. break. We're going to be back with Maria Brockovich <laughs> right after this. Welcome back to, wait, do you need an actual break? No, I'm okay. fine. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness. We have Aaron Brockovich. Oh my God, you're curious. I could stay here all day. Uh, me too, me too. Advocate, so what's glyphosate? <laughs> Well, glyphosate Roundup. Is, yeah, it's Roundup. So it's a herbicide. It's a weed killer, a pesticide that they're spraying everywhere at our headwaters, rivers, creeks, through tributaries. I don't know how stuff grew way back when, you know, without all these weed killers. But it's highly toxic. It's toxic to the water. It's toxic to the ecosystem, the wildlife, the animals, the people. And oh, again, this is something where information gets concealed they've known for a long time that this happens but yet it still gets its way into the marketplace like i said the chemical company these companies are huge well, it's the almighty dollar like that's Absolutely. why the nra because it's like it's at someone's livelihood and so but like it but that's like what people say but then it's like but people are dying at the they expense are. of your livelihood the perfect storm is finally here i think i've waited my whole life for this to happen and i think it's finally here I cannot help myself. I want to share this story, and I've done it before, but I haven't shared it with you that I think is really relevant. And that's The Wizard of Oz. Mm. You've seen the movie Wizard yeah, of Oz. Yeah, of course. Do you like it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, no, no, I do. I love it. <laughs> Have you read the book by L. Frank Baum? That is why they. No, but I saw Wicked. I love Wicked. Love Wicked. Oh, I was on the edge of my seat. Me too. And see, I'm from Kansas. I was born and raised in Lawrence. So you I'm were? I, my what? whole family went there. Where? My stepdad went there. My brother. Yeah, my stepdad, my brother, my sister. Rock, chalk. Yeah. Were you in a sorority? Okay. You. Uh, my mom was a Gamma Phi Beta. Uh, I went to Kansas State. I was going to pledge Gamma Phi Beta, but they weren't as much as fun as some of the other sororities. But then I decided not to You're pledge. a GDI. You come off as a GDI, which I love. That's a goddamn independent. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's what I ended up I doing. I love that. Good for you. My sister was a theta. The theta was her great. I know I, them. But this is not, a, we are not going off on a story tangent. So, well, my dad was Sigma Chi. My mom was Gamma Phi. And see, my whole family was like KU. Greeks too. Yeah, like my whole family did like the Greek life thing too, but I did. Yeah. it was also GDI. So we're similar. I love yeah, that. I was just like, yeah, I'm out But wait, here. so what about Europe and Australia? Just, so they, t- they test first more. Well, they, they definitely have greater oversight. And, and that doesn't mean that they don't have problems. I worry about Australia because they tend to follow a little in our footsteps, but not as much as what happens to in Europe. But I really monitor over there what they're doing. And mind you, they've used these chemicals in some instances for years as well. But when they start, I think it is maybe they listen and they start making observations. Ooh, I'm not sure this is right. We need to look into this. Maybe we should monitor this. But when they do have that science, they're done. They're done. We don't just keep using it. And then I cut you off about the Wizard of Oz analogy, which oh. I did not mean to do. Tell me about that. Okay, so uh, L. Frank Baum wrote the book Wizard of Oz before the film. He wrote the book in the pre-industrial revolution as a way to teach his children the power of individualism and thinking for oneself in a world that was increasingly beginning to speak for you. Sound familiar? Yeah. So, Dorothy, there is a huge political allegory, highly studied by our greatest scholars of the Wizard of Oz and L. Frank Baum's meaning of each character. Dorothy, she's the every American girl who wanted to right a wrong. So she's headed back home. You know, she's searching for herself and on a journey. And here comes the twister. The twister is a representation of disruption in D.C., So Dorothy gets caught up in the house and flies around and lands on the munchkins. The munchkins are the angry citizens that want her to follow the yellow brick road to the wizard because he's got all the answers. So Dorothy sets out on that journey. And when she meets the cowardly lion, his representation is L. Frank Baum's best friend, William Bryan's Jenning, who is a populist running for president, known for his fiery rhetoric, but lacked courage. Does that sound familiar with mm-hmm. a lot of our past politicians? Sorry, but you can see it. And then on their journey, they meet the scarecrow who had no brain. He was a representation of the American farmer who all the banks were buying up the land. And that's why they thought the farmer, the scarecrow, had no brain. Look at what's happening with our farmers today and the Monsantos of the world and the Glyce of Fates and what's happening to them. I mean, so they're again under duress. It's a very similar pattern. The Tin Man was a representation of industry worker who was losing his heart. And we've seen that happen with many industry workers, just a heart of steel. I go to work, I make money, it's just closed off. So they become a representation of we, the American people. And look at us today, the American woman who wants to do well. We've got, you know, our farmers, we've got our politicians, we have our workers, our industry workers, our citizen. So- On the journey to the Yellow Brick Road, which was the standard, follow the path of money. It was set for the gold standard. That's why it was the Yellow Brick Road. Oh. Dorothy and all of them come into the Wicked Witch, who wants to suppress them. I don't want you to know. So she puts them to sleep in the poppy fields. And I look at us today. Have we been in that poppy field asleep? False illusion, comfortability, complacency, maybe. But as Dorothy and all of them woke up and got to the wizard, they realized as they pulled the curtain back, it was an illusion. 
And what they learned is the moral of the story that I think we're waking up to right now. They, as the, as the people, we as the people, have always had the ability, had the power to find our voice, our courage, our heart, and we do have a brain, and to not let the suppression push us back anymore. Because when we become that again, we will find our way home. We collectively can start a process of change. But it's the power of believing that you can. And that's been missing for all this time. And so I see great parallels to the book, The Wizard of Oz, and what's happening today. Well, you have like time and time in your career, like come up against come up against Goliaths and continue to win as being someone who believed in change and has advocated for change. So what do you say to people that, you know, I mean, I, I think, you know, state legislatures are really important. I think that I've talked about that on this podcast a lot. Um, obviously, City council, what's happening right there in your own backyard is so important. And state ledge. Absolutely. You're, and I want to share with you, again, the trickle-down thing. It's going to start with you in your backyard, boom, and on your way up. Perfect example, these examples will be in my book, is Hannibal, Missouri. Oh, that's literally across the fucking river where I'm from. <laughs> yeah, that's like my hometown is Quincy, Illinois. Like it's directly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we could talk about problems in Quincy. Really? Oh, there's all kinds of stuff. What the fuck's <laughs> going on in Quincy? <laughs> what the fuck's happening all across America? I had well water there in my <gasps> one house for a oh long time, and it was supposed God. to be better because like sand filtered. Uh. Uh, you know, we, talk about well I literally water. do self-testicle exams oh, once a month. Oh, <laughs> once a month. Oh, once a motherfucking month. But My you shit know is That's symmetrical okay. and smooth. Oh, it good. is symmetrical and smooth. And you know what? So, but what are we going to do, though? this is why it's important to be aware. Cause, but also, well, I'm going to tell you that real quick. Uh, but that Hannibal EPA is really coming up again. They're they're really getting they're a lot getting of bad it. stuff, and they're, 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 they're getting get- a lot of bad regulations through right now. I know. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to keep talking. We're going to become informed, aware. We're going to be citizens that act in your own backyard, like Hannibal, Missouri. Yeah, what happened there? Okay, so a group of ladies came to us. They had lead levels higher than Flint. And they were adding ammonia to the system. So we went out there, and and my water guru, Bob Bocock, went out, had meetings. We began to inform them. And what they started with, one went to 5 to 15 to 20 to 25, and so on, about the use of ammonia. We gave them the tools to go door to door, be informed, pass out flyers, and they wanted to do more. So we said, run for office. And they're like, oh no, we couldn't do that. We go, you got city council coming up, run for office. So they did. And they won. And so one of the women got on city council. She had now educated the community. She did a referendum put it out to vote, yes or no, on ammonia, unanimously, no. They now have lead-free water. <laughs> so ammonia, the use of ammonia to treat the bio, the bio well, what again? What they do is to, they use it to help try to control the trihalomethanes. But yeah. what they really do is create a, a, a distribution system that bacteria loves. And it can eat and feed on it a whole lot more. Because it just makes it more. so corrosive and stuff. Yes, and then you get all the lead leaching out into the pipes. And that's exactly what happened to them. So but it's the like, point is, individuals, when you believe in yourself and you get involved in your own backyard, and I will tell you over and over and over again how many times I've seen changes because people show up at city council meetings. Have you been to a city council meeting? No. Because if you go down there, they're only talking to themselves. And I think that we as the people have a responsibility and accountability too. Because believe it or not, sometimes those politicians don't know what's going on out there. 
unless you see it, you know it, and you tell them. So city council. So show up. State, city council. And if you live in like your state capital, I mean, you there is like, a, there's a committee hearings there. There's like things that are like open to the public, but wait. Uh, We've been talking in 45 minutes. I could talk to you for the rest of the Oh, life, my God. Honest. Has it been that long? <clears throat> yes. Look but, at... Oh. But I want to know about this oh, reverse osmosis machine. Because what yet. are we going to do with all these chemicals that okay, are already in well, the water? How do we protect ourselves? Reverse osmosis. We're going to protect ourselves by using our common sense, which I call logic. We're going to protect ourselves by leveraging our community and using our voices. But you said you have a reverse osmosis thing that you use. What and is it? And so that was uh, coming next. Oh, tell me. I'm so sorry. I, I started to tell you. Um... There's whole household systems. They can be expensive. Reverse osmosis is a filtration system that is just your best line of defense. Other ones don't remove as many contaminants. Reverse osmosis can. I like a countertop reverse osmosis system that I use called AquaTrue. My grandbabies drink this water. And reverse osmosis, home systems require plumbing. They can be very, very expensive, as under-sink mounts can. I'm trying to look for something that's affordable, generally affordable, so mothers can have a line of defense and some assurity. Listen, you can't treat what's in the water if you don't know what's in the water. Reverse osmosis gives you the best leeway if you have 12 variables of contaminants at low levels in water that this system will clean so that we can be a little more rest assured at the end of the day. Our child has a safe glass of water or several a day to drink, and we as well. So it's going to be very important going forward. And listen, the municipalities are taking on big burdens. Down in Alabama, they moved very quickly on one chemical, one chemical to remove PFOA and spent 50, 60, 70 million dollars. And just a few places for one chemical. We have 80,000 plus municipalities in this country. And you brought up a good point called well water. Almost 50 million Americans use well water. And it's a system, boom, off the grid. It's not monitored, regulated, or anything. Off the grid. That's where I found the chromium-6 in Hinkley, California. Oh, my God. Well water. So, but not to be afraid. Be informed. And be, you can defend yourself and protect yourself by knowing information. <clears throat> and so... Don't be afraid to look stupid. I've seen people too many times. I don't want to say anything. Someone's going to make fun of me. I don't care if you make fun of me. I want to ask a question and I want to know and I want to understand it. So I use AquaTrue at home. It's affordable. It's countertop. It works. And I feed it to my grandchildren and I feed it. That's what they drink from too. Now, listen, it's hard when you're on the road and travel a lot, and you travel a lot. Bottled water has been a problem, and we've got a lot of problems with plastic, and how do we reduce that? You know, you can fill up your water from AquaTrue, you know, in your container. You can't take it through the airport, and when you're on the other side, there's going to be times that you're going to use bottled water. I always look for glass, and there's going to be issues with glass, but it's recycled a whole lot better. They're trying to be better about the plastics that they're using. I can tell you, know where you're going, what the water supply is like or not. I travel internationally, and I will share with you. I've been in a couple of places in Indonesia. I can assure you, I can go 16 days without a shower. I'm sorry to say it, because I'm not bathing in that water. And I've learned to brush my teeth with beer. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It works pretty good. Because a lot of times... 
They just take their tap water and put it in bottled water and they sell it. So use your set of instincts to protect yourself. If water looks funny, smells funny, has a cut, you know, f- uh, weird, don't drink it. In some instances, we will still need to use bottled water, but we've got to be able to get back to cleaning our water supplies. And if we still have low-level issues, have a system in place that will help remove a large amount of the contaminants that will probably be in your water supply. And then when does your book come out? Your, your March. 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 And it's where, okay, so next March. Yes. And it's about like our national kind of water crisis. Superman is not coming. No. Okay, so love that. Keep your eyes open for that. Okay, so we've been talking for 45 minutes, so I have to ask this question really quick, but you have to answer it kind of quickly. But I'm just like dying to know because I'm obsessed (laughs) with you. Are you on Instagram and Twitter? I am. So you Instagram. I don't Twitter too much. But you're into the gram? I'm starting to. So I'm starting to build that. Okay, well, we need to get, I'm going to follow you. You are just such a fucking vibrant. I'm obsessed with you. I'm obsessed. (laughs) But so this is the last question. And I say this with like, how did you fucking get like this? You are so smart. Just this, this can, this stick to itiveness <laughs> that you were my, my, my upbringing. It is amazing. Did, was this a nature nurture? You were born like this. It was a perfect combo. You have, I am obsessed. <laughs> like if I could have even been any more obsessed from the movies, I already was but like, holy shit. I love that you have only leaned into this and gone harder. Like post movie, like you're more in it than ever. Yeah. I've waited my whole career for this moment where we're all waking up. It's become it's become that movement. And this is what I've always wanted. It's a huge... I can't fix the world's problems. We know that. But I've said a thousand times, give me your hand and join with me. And collectively, we can do it. It's because it's taken me a long time. I went through a lot after that film. I didn't aspire to be this. I got thrust into a situation where I was like, what the fuck is happening Yeah, were to you me? obsessed? So five, um, more minutes, five, more minutes, please, five more minutes, please, five more minutes, five more minutes, five more minutes, five more minutes. Oh my God. Yeah. So was that hard? Were you like, fuck man, I don't want to do this. Like, did you have any control over it? Like, we're selling these rights. It's going, it's happening. Well, I did, but I, I didn't think it would happen. Honestly. Somebody comes and buys your rights to do a movie. Because it was already really gonna, done and settled. Like that settlement had already happened it was like, where just, the movie leans, leaves off. It was off. getting close as I got introduced to Jersey Films. And they wanted to buy the rights. And they told me from the beginning, you know, a lot of times we buy rights, they sit on a shelf and nothing ever gets made. So that's kind of really what I went with. And I was really busy. I wasn't worried about that. Doing what I knew to do best. And that was help these people. And when someone buys a right, like it's probably just like a little like cute paycheck, but probably not as good as the bonus that Ed ended up giving you at the end of the no, movie. It but it's like, no, it was nothing near that. But it's like better than like a kick in the shin. And you're like, oh, okay, but they probably won't do Listen, anything with it. It was a $70,000 check. So and like, I was a single mom and I'd never seen $70,000 in my life. Well, that's a shitload of money. Life. Yes, so it like, is. Yes, like Ed gave me this bonus. I also got this paycheck money, but $70,000, yes. Like, oh my God, how could this even be and then happening. it closes and then and then the settlement happens and settlement ha- oh. then you get your bonus at the end of the movie but like in real life yeah that's you know that's the one thing that caught me when we watched the movie for the first time because it was so moving mm-hmm. I ugly cry so fucking hard every time I see that part did you kind of go off on it in real life when you were like you know, it's about how my, <laughs> was this about how my work is valued in this goddamn company like, did that- it was oh my every day of my life I miss Ed Masry and my father so much. And Ed and I had that frick and frack routine. It just never ended. But the producers that made the movie, did they like really come to you in the development of it and be like, what was your guys' relationship like? Yes. like was there people at the place that like would criticize how you dressed? And you'd be like, fuck off, Krispy Kreme. Like, would you ever say that or something like, similar or like behind their back? Oh, 
were they kind of nightmares they were because they were just like who is this bitch who was like a client and now like she's absolutely coming all up in here you know what was bothering me i was being judged by the way i dressed and that pissed me off so what you have good fucking style (laughs) so because i dress this way you think i'm stupid well, <laughs> it's not true. You climb but, your ass down there in that <laughs> stiff suit and get the goddamn dead two-headed frog in the they green really water. They really were there. Oh, my gosh. But uh, they, they couldn't have done that in their stiff shoulder pad outfits. That's why I tell you, don't get boxed in. That's the thing that drives me crazy. And then, you know, the more that happens to people, the more they step back, they step back, and they step back. And I, we, But wait, so but the producers consulted with so you and absolutely, stuff? Absolutely. I'll tell you who was amazing. A was Jersey Films, Carla Schomburg, uh, Stacey Scher, uh, Danny DeVito, and Stephen Soderbergh. Danny DeVito? He was, he was Jersey produce- Films. He was partner at Jersey Films. <sighs> Who yeah. knew? Yeah. And so then you went to and the premiere. And the Soderbergh is amazing. Oh, my God. When I went to the premiere, I shook so bad. Universal came up to me and said, if you don't stop shaking, we're going to take you home. And did you walk the carpet with Julia? I did, uh, Julia was out before me. So when I arrived, Steven Soderbergh met me at the car. And he walked on my right and kept me to the left. And literally, my knees were knocking. I was shaking so bad. And as I'm coming down, I can hear all the screaming and all the lights and all the fanfare. And I'm like, I'm telling you, my heart was pounding. I had cotton mouth. I couldn't breathe. I'm like, I'm really scared. And just as we turned the corner to the red carpet, Stephen's like, you're going to have to get over that. And he gave me a push and he goes, now. And it was like, boom. (laughs) I was, I was, I'm so happy I didn't pee myself. I was terrified. And terrified. I feel like I mean I've only gotten to spend this <clears throat> fine. They're you rushers. Sorry, but no, Can no, I come no, back? no. Yes, oh, please. Good. No, I, this probably actually will have to be a two part. Like we'll probably have to. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, like for real. But like it feels. I always heard in the salon that like fame doesn't change you. It makes you more of who you already were. And from this last like hour that I've spent with you. Having like that unexpected thing happen in in the movie Aaron Brockovich, like, and then just spending that hearing like what you've been doing since I feel like you like that didn't make you lose yourself. Like it only made you like find yourself even more and like harder. And you've like continued to like use this platform to spread like your word. And I just think you were such an incredible force of nature. It's been a calling. And sometimes I don't always understand why, but I get it. And I'm, I never want to be seen as different than anyone else. You know, I'm the person who will break out into song by the Beatles. I am you, you or me, we are all together. And I'm uncomfortable with being put on any kind of pedestal. I'm a human. We all are. Um, and me that's too. what I fight for. Me too. And I get that people, because I like when people like really like, like, you know, get really like with effusive with me on like things. You and feel I feel uncomfortable them. sometimes. Yeah, for I sure. Too. But, but I think it's important for to use the voice to help. Well, not but you, no, because you already do that. Like for you to recognize in yourself that you have inspired so much change oh. in people, and you've been a source of strength, and your story has been a source of strength and can doitiveness and stick to itiveness. But that's amazing. Can do itiveness though. Write that down. It's a good new one. But that is incredible. And thank you so much for being that representation. And you really blew my mind in this last hour. Like you so far blew me away from anything that I thought I was going to like, I just think you're so incredible. Well, I think the same of you and it has been a joy and a thrill and I'm a fan and I don't just say that. And thank you. I hope to come back. We're absolutely coming back and we're, but 
my filter just worked. I love you so much. And I'm going to say you that right after we're done. But we have to make some gorgeous content over over Instagram. No, no. I love you so much. That was amazing. And let's make some content for Instagram. Okay. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. My guest this week was Erin Brockovich. You'll find links to her work and socials in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Curious with JVN. It's our new gorgeous social media thing. You should get it together. We love it so much. Follow, follow, follow. Yes, yes, yes. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, introduce a friend. Show them how to subscribe. You know we're all up on Spotify. We're all up on Apple Podcasts. We everywhere. Getting Curious is produced by Cody Ziegler, Emily Bosick, Julie Creo, Ray Ellis, and Colin Anderson. Digital media by Lara Naiman and booking consulting by Mary O'Hara. 